you would for a moment, turn in your songbook to number 347. We ought to just look at that for a moment. 347 in our songbook asks the question, who will follow Jesus? Who will follow Jesus standing for the right? Holding up his banner in the thickest fight. Listening for his orders ready to obey. Who will follow Jesus serving him today? We often think in our minds of the concept of who will follow Jesus from a standpoint of who we think would make a good candidate to follow Jesus. Someone may be already accepted by God. When we think of being a disciple, we think of concepts of being perfect, being happy, being willing, all of those things that we want for disciples to be. And yet, in thinking about who will follow Jesus, what we really want to ask is who should follow Jesus. Too often, the people that we see that we think are going to make good candidates are also the people who have already made up in their minds that they're not going to follow Jesus. They have in their mind that salvation and obedience is within their control. So sometimes we hear people say things like, well, well, I want to obey, but I've got to get my life right first. If I can straighten out my life, then I'll follow God. But if you can straighten out your life in that regard, you don't need God. You need God to straighten out your life. And all of this leads us to thinking about our lesson tonight in who should follow Jesus from a standpoint of our choices versus the Lord's choices. And I'd like to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 9. The events unfolding in Matthew chapter 9 are very interesting. And so I'm going to take the opportunity to read this chapter and then to go back and look at some of the events as they unfold. I'm reading from the King James Version, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. 
And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. <clears throat> then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand and the maid arose, and the fame hereof went abroad un into all that land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they that were departed spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When we look at these events, we see any number of activities unfolding. 
We see the palsied man in verses 1 through 7 being brought to Jesus. We see Jesus calling Matthew in verse 9. In Luke's gospel, he is referred to as Levi. <clears throat> when the Pharisees were then in the house of Matthew and saw all the people that were there that they didn't approve of, they thought within themselves that there was something wrong with Jesus. But Jesus chastised them. He rebuked them. But then after that came the disciples of John. And they asked a simple question. Why are we doing something and the Pharisees doing something as disciples of another that your disciples are not doing? But then in verses 18 through 35, we have all of these different healings that take place. We have the ruler coming to Jesus and asking for healing for his daughter. The diseased woman in verses 20 through 22. The blind man of verses 27 through 31. The dumb man possessed in verses 32 through 34. But then it says in verse 35 that Jesus went about everywhere in all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, healing every sickness and every disease. The question we would ask then is why did Jesus do these things? Why did Jesus heal all these different people? Here we have, in many respects, represented almost every aspect of society. We have young and old, male and female, healthy and sick, poor and prosperous, teachers and rulers, and those in desperate need. Why did he do these things? To show that he is the Christ, that he has divine power? I think we would all say yes, that this is true. But is it possible that there's another lesson that we can find here? Maybe Jesus is trying to show us who he wants to follow him. We want to pick and choose who we think would make a good candidate for obeying the gospel and being a disciple of Jesus. And so it's not uncommon for us sometimes as we look among our friends and our families and uh, we think about sharing the gospel. We look at those who maybe already could be his disciple. Uh, maybe they just need to make one minor change in their life. Maybe we see people that in many respects look just like us. We want people maybe who are positive, people who are not imperfect, and people who already have somehow demonstrated a desire to follow Jesus. But when we look at these events, we don't see any of those things. Who then did Jesus go to to demonstrate his power that they may see in him the one that they should follow. Well, first, we look at the palsied man. And maybe we would say that he represents those in society who are crippled, whether we're talking physically or emotionally or spiritually. Those who are in desperate need of help, who are on what we might consider the downside of life, 
who are already dealing with burdens and problems that they find too great to bear such that they willingly turn to others. These are the ones who are willing to humble themselves and accept whatever help may be offered. That's the type of person that Jesus is looking for. One who is willing to humble themselves that he may lift them up. We think about the passage that James reminds us about when he says, in effect, in James chapter 4 and in verse 6, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Jesus is looking for people who are willing to lay before him and humble themselves before him. But Jesus is also looking for those that people complain about and that people despise like Matthew. If we understand Matthew, it says that he was sitting at the receipt in verse 9 of custom. That meant that he was collecting taxes for the Romans. He was collecting taxes from his fellow Jews for the Romans. And in accepting that position, the Romans allowed him to receive his pay out of those taxes. So he was collecting taxes from his fellow men to give to the Romans and also to use for his own pay. And as those who despised the Romans being in their area, these Pharisees and these other Jews would have despised Matthew. But Jesus did not. We don't want to associate with people who are despised. We don't want to associate with people who are outcasts in life. We want the good. We want the favorable. We want those who are going to lift us up, not those that we have to lift up. But you know, Jesus understands the despised because he was despised. Matthew chapter 53 in verses 3 through 5, it said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Being rejected by others is something that Jesus is familiar with. But Jesus also went to the Pharisees. He interacted with the Pharisees. And so when we ask the question, who should follow Jesus? Those who think they already have religion. Those who think they already have the answers. And it's strange when we look at these individuals because they portray themselves as lovers of God and lovers of his word. But Jesus rebuked them and Jesus chastised them. In Matthew chapter 15, he said they simply gave God lip service. They said that they loved him, but they did not do his will. In Matthew chapter 7, he warned about such individuals in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Again, we would turn to James in thinking about what he reminds us about God's word. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, he said, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. 
deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James said that we need to be the type of people that hear the word, remember the word, and act on the word. When Jesus dealt with the Pharisees, they had heard the word, but it did not change them. And because of that, he rebuked them. Next, we deal with John's disciples. And we might suggest that these are ones who are seeking the truth. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. These were not afraid to come to Jesus and ask the question. They admitted that they didn't have all the answers. They didn't assume like the Pharisees did that they knew why. They asked the question, why is it? And that allowed Jesus to provide the answer. We need to be the type of people who are not afraid to admit, I don't have all the answers. Modern man seems to lack humility. There are too many people who think they already know, and if I don't know, I can just go ahead and Google it. And you know, the internet is wonderful. Technology is wonderful. There is a certain pleasure in being able to go and to search and to collect and get that information. But the fact of the matter is that all knowledge does not reside with man. All knowledge resides with God. And they were willing to come to Jesus and say, we have a question and we are hoping that you can provide an answer. When we're willing to ask Jesus for help, we're going to get the answer for what we need to do. Again, looking at John's gospel in John chapter 5, verse 33, Jesus said that John was a witness to who he was. He said unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. John had said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. John pointed to Jesus as the one who can relieve us of the burdens of our sins. Those who are seeking the truth, like John's disciples, would come to Jesus. Maybe when we look at the situation that we see in Matthew's gospel, we also note those individuals who, because of age and because of illness, see their life slipping away. And so here is the ruler. He says his daughter's life is ebbing away. She is even now dead. She is at the point of no return. There are many people that, that feel that way. We can become burdened with the cares of the world, as Jesus mentioned in the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, such that we, we just shut down. We become so concerned with all the things of this life that any spiritual life has already ebbed away. And yet, if we will just turn to Jesus, we will certainly find the answers to life. We next see the diseased woman in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20. 
And maybe we would look at her as someone who had lost all hope. The emotions of despair and depression are, are powerful chains of bondage. And there are many people who fall into the situation of becoming victims. And because of the attention that it gathers for them, becoming a victim can be addictive. And they find themselves as victims in every situation. Everybody is against me. Nobody wants to help me. No matter where I turn, I'm always rejected. And Satan wants us to feel helpless. He wants us to feel like that there is no one that we can turn to. But this woman, at the very least, understood that it was Jesus who could make her whole. Verse 21, if I may but touch his garment, I may, I shall be whole. And she was right. Jesus is the only one. Thy faith, he said, hath made thee whole. When we deal with people who are without hope because of age or because of illness or because of some other thing in life that has brought them low, that has caused them to stop looking, we need to let them know that we serve a God who is the God of hope. Paul, in writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 15, verse 30, said, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. When we have lost hope, we need to turn to God because he is the God of hope. And Jesus wants those who are looking for hope to come to him. After we deal with the diseased woman and then we have the young woman that Jesus resurrected from the dead, we find the blind. And, and maybe these would represent people who can't find their way. They can't find their way in getting to God. Modern religion can blind us. New age religion can cause us to seek only for self. False religion can blind us. Our own biases and prejudices against what we think should be can blind us. But when we turn to Jesus, we find that he is the one who can lead us out of that darkness. In John chapter 12 and in verse 46, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. These men were willing to place their trust in Jesus. Believe ye that I am able to do this. Yea, Lord, they said. And when they placed their trust and faith and obeyed him, they received a blessing. Next we have the dumb man. And who might the dumb man be? Those who are possessed by, surrounded by, ruled by, engulfed in sin. There's so many people in this world who believe that their sins are so great, God would not want me. Oh, if I could only believe that I could be saved, if I could only believe that I could be cleansed of my sins. Some people are moderate sinners and maybe they don't think their sins matter. Others are those who are engulfed by sin on a daily basis. And yet what we find both 
are bound by sin. Those who think that their light sins don't matter to God and those who feel that they are so burdened with sin that there is no way that God could relieve them of it. And yet none are so far gone that the blood of Jesus Christ could not cleanse each and every one of us of all of our sins. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26 on the night of his betrayal as he took the elements of the Passover, verse 28, and thinking of the, the wine, he said, for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The most powerful element that exists in the universe is the blood of Jesus Christ and it and it alone it's the only thing can cleanse us of all of our sins. Finally, we note that Jesus went to all the cities and the villages because everyone, everywhere, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, are those that Jesus wants to follow him. The end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations. Some versions say, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When we look at Matthew chapter 9, we see people that are not really desired as your typical people in society. Even today, we uphold the rich, the famous, the entertainers, the athletes, the politicians, the uh, captains of industry. Those are the people that we hold up as successful. But the sick and the infirmed and the depressed and the, the mentally unstable and the poor and the needy, uh, those are the people we don't want. And even when we think about the gospel, sometimes thinking, well, do I want a poor person to be part of the congregation? Do I want someone who's got some sort of handicap to be part of this congregation? Do I want someone who might have some mental illness to be part of this congregation? And we better be willing to say yes, because that's the type of people that Jesus wants. Jesus wants people who have been cast aside by this life, who he can prepare for the next. And that's you and hopefully that's me. Are you and I among these people? I, I hope that we are. At the very least, we should be like John's disciples and be seekers of truth that when we hear the answer that Jesus gives, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We would be willing to believe that and accept that and follow him. At the worst, we need to see ourselves as diseased and damaged by sin and realizing that as the great physician, Jesus is the only one who can heal us. And Jesus wants us. And he made that very clear. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That means you, that means me, that means each and every one of us. Will you come 
to Jesus. His invitation is open. If you'll believe that he is the Christ, if you will confess him as such, if you'll repent of your sins, if you'll be baptized for the remission of your sins, then his solemn promise is to take his blood, to cleanse you of all of your sins, to bring you into his household, to make you his disciple, make you a follower, to lift you up, to place you in him, in fellowship with the Father now, and following his word, and fellowship with the Father for all eternity. And if there's anyone we can help to obey the gospel tonight, please let us know while we stand and while we sing.